As a society, a lot of us like to believe that a child cannot kill. A child cannot fathom the idea of murdering another human being. But it happens. We all have our own opinions on why it happens, but nonetheless, it does. Every state deals with the aftermath of a murder differently, especially when the murderer is a child, and this can either make or break a situation. This case is a perfect example as to why we should not seal the records of somebody. And if somebody is a killer child, they should never be able to get their hands on a gun. Hey guys, and welcome to my podcast. I'm your host, Lulu, and let me be honest, I have been putting off doing this case for a while. It's a killer child case, obviously, as you know by the title, but it is a Japan case, and the names in it I just know I'm going to butcher. And I've already looked up the pronunciation and I still feel like I'm saying it wrong. And the, you know, I've actually had this ready to record for over a year now and I just keep putting it off because I'm like, I'm just gonna butcher these names. Like, but I decided it was finally time to share it with you guys. My husband is also playing a game in the background and it is a very loud game, even though his headphones are on. So if you hear little clips or snippets or like weird sounds or music, it's from that. And I just wanted to apologize ahead of time. The birds also are still inside. We haven't gotten their coop for outside yet. So you'll probably hear a little chirps here and there. Because I did listen back to that last case to, you know, Friday's upload. And you could definitely hear them. Anyways, I don't have, you know, any updates or anything like that. If anybody was wondering, um, we are planting my garden this week. It's super exciting. It's finally warm enough. You know, our sprinklers got turned on today. And so, yeah, that's exciting for me. If you haven't gotten on getting your garden ready, you better hurry up because it's about to be too late to plant anything. Anyways, let's go ahead and jump right into today's case. Today's case is the case... I'm gonna say the names wrong, and I'm so sorry, but I'm trying my best. Today's case is the case of Akiyoshi Umakawa. Now, we're gonna sort of do the structure of this case a lot different. Normally, we talk about, you know, the victims, the lead-up, and then we move on to the killer, their childhood, you know, then the aftermath. Today, we're just gonna start with the killer, so Akiyoshi. Akiyoshi was born on March 1st, 1948 in Otaka. Now, because of his actions as a child, which is what makes him fall into the category of a child killer, there's not a lot of information available on him or his childhood. This was because a lot of his childhood has been sealed, so it's very difficult to find anything about it. I was able to find that he was known, you know, as a kid, as a very, very good reader. He did enjoy reading mostly fiction, and that's okay, 
This did lead me to believe that he was fairly good in school. Not that you have to be a perfect reader to be good in school, but I feel like somebody who enjoys, you know, a good read or something is usually pretty good in school as well because they like learning. That is just a hypothesis from me though, that is not fact. But you guys, that's kind of all I have on Akiyoshi, which means we're going to have to move right into his first incident. Akiyoshi's very first incident would make him fall under the category of murderous minors. He was 15 years old at the time. Like I said earlier, I don't have a lot of information, almost none, on Akiyoshi. I even went as far as translating a couple articles and searched so many different things to try to find something. All I could find, though, was that on December 16, 1963, Akiyoshi would end up murdering a woman. But that was it. I couldn't really find how she died, what he did, who she was. I did find some conflicting information, though. I found he either stabbed this woman to death, or he shot and killed her. But like I said, I couldn't even find the name of this woman, which meant I couldn't even search her name. I literally like had almost nothing to go off of. So if any of my listeners are out there and they know of this story and they know her name, email me. Email me, you know, any information. We could do a follow-up, you know, anything like that. Really, if there's any cases that you know of that you hear me talk about, if there's any misinformation in it or additional information that I just didn't stumble across myself, you can always email me. Now, after he murdered this woman, the authorities quickly caught him and charged him. He did fall under the Japan's juvenile law, though, because he was a child. This law is when a child who they deem as a quote-unquote juvenile is not to be charged as an adult. I saw there was two different age brackets. One said a child 14 or younger, and one said one that was still in elementary school, or until they hit 15. This being said, either way, Akiyoshi would have barely hit this cutoff moment. He would have barely fallen into this bracket. Nonetheless, they thought of Akiyoshi as a child, and they decided to not punish him to the full extent as to what an adult would get if adult as to what an adult would be charged if they murdered somebody. Essentially, they let him go. I'm sure they gave him some sort of punishment, at least a minor one, but I couldn't find any information about it. In my opinion, there is no way that they just let him go out and about. He had to have gotten something, community service, you know, a fine something, but I couldn't find any information on it. Because he fell into that law, they ended up sealing his records to hide the crimes that he had committed. I think I think this is some of the reason that I couldn't find any information on him or about this situation in general, because they sealed it all away, and it is not public knowledge. As he grew up, he ended up seeing a film that would encourage his later crimes. This is something that the authorities have come out and said that they believe because of a lot of things that he would say later down the road. The film that Akiyoshi would end up watching 
was called Twelve Days of Sodom. And after seeing this film, he decided that 15 years after his first incident, that murder that he already was a part of, it would be time to commit another crime that would be remembered for years. This film that Akiyoshi would end up watching was written in 1785, and it is the story of four wealthy men. These men had decided that they wanted to experience some sexual gratification in orgies. This is when the men would eventually seal themselves up for four months in a castle that nobody could enter. It would not be just these men, these four wealthy men that were sealed up in there though, they would have 36 additional people. Or victims that consisted of males and teenage girls sealed in the castle with them. In this four month period, they would torture and abuse these women, physically and sexually, and they would end up killing them all. This series started as a book series that was never finished, and this book series would actually be banned in multiple places because of its sexual violence. And cruelty. You can see how this film, especially if he was young when he saw it, would influence a boy's thought process and how he sees things, like women. I'm sure he planned the next steps based off of this film. And because Akiyoshi's records were sealed, he knew and was able to get a hold of guns while he was growing up. And he already had them purchased and ready by the time he was an adult. Now, whether or not Akiyoshi did shoot this woman, which is one of those contradicting facts that I saw, he still should not have been able to get a hold of any sort of weapon, especially a gun. But because his records were sealed, any background check they ran on him or anything pretty much came up clean. If this Really doesn't show you what kind of mental state Akiyoshi was in. I don't know what will. This boy saw a sick and twisted film at 15 years old and decided as a child that he was going to wait for another 15 years and then murder again. And he didn't change his mind on that entire 15 years. And once he turned 30, he began to put his plan into action. Akiyoshi first did some research and decided the best way to get his crimes out there would be to rob a bank. He would pick the Mitsubishi Bank and decide to enter the building on January 26, 1979, just 30 minutes before they closed for the day. This is when Akiyoshi would take the lives of two policemen trying to stop him. And after that, he ended up shooting and killing two more employees there. He would then proceed to injure three more citizens during the whole robbery and would actually cut the ear off of one of these victims. This was because he thought that this man was dead and decided he wanted to make sure he was fully dead. By cutting his ear off. Ashioki would have about 40 hostages under his care, if that's how you want to put it, 
and he would end up asking them if they wanted to see this film that he had watched so many years ago, 120 Days of Sodom. Afterwards, he would demand that all of the women take their clothing off. Now, I have not and I don't plan on seeing this film, but I did read a little bit about this. And I did read that they did do this to the teenage girls in that film. They demanded them to all strip naked. Once the women took their clothing off, Ashioki proceeded to shame these women in front of the rest of the hostages. I don't know for sure, but I hope that this was all that all of these people were subjected to, because the film sounds like it gets a lot worse, but it doesn't sound like Ashioki got the chance to go much farther. But I am unsure of what else happened while the women and other hostages were held in the bank by gunpoint by Ashioki. And who knows if anything else happened, because Ashioki held them hostage for 48 hours. These women sounded like they were probably naked and embarrassed and scared for their lives for the entire 48 hours, and I'm sure the men hostages were having terrible things happen to them as well. I don't think they just stood there and watched it happen. Obviously, by this point, the police knew that the bank was being robbed and held at gunpoint, with hostages inside. And they dispatched over 500 different policemen to try to get Ashioki to lower his weapon and to get the hostages out. Once the authorities arrived on scene, they would surround the bank with a ton of armored vehicles, and they had policemen on foot with shields and backup. Once everybody was in place, they would begin to try to negotiate with Ashioki. Now, during this negotiation, Akiyoshi demanded that they handed him about 25 million yen, and he would let all of the hostages go. But, as you probably have seen in every movie and heard about in every hostage situation, this was a negotiation. So they did not hand him the money right off the bat, and honestly probably never planned on handing the money over. This robbery and negotiation happened in the middle of a very, very busy bank. So there was tons of people around when all of this was going on, watching, and they had to block a whole bunch of things off in order to try to keep everybody safe. 30 different policemen would enter the bank while they tried to negotiate with Ashioki. They would work their way to him and demand that he surrender to the authorities. And this is when he held guns to the hostages and told the authorities they could either put 50 million yen in the bag. That he ended up throwing at them. And they had 10 seconds to hand it over. Or he was going to shoot one hostage by one until they handed the money over to him. Now, I understand robberies and things like that, but in this situation, I don't think Ashioki even thought about if he were to get the money. I don't think he ever really planned on getting the money. Even if he handed the hostages over and they handed him the money, how would he get out of the bank and away before, you know, they caught him? It's really not possible. 
So in my opinion, I don't think Ashioki ever planned on leaving with money that day. I think he wanted to make a story about himself so people would know his name. Once Ashioki threatened to begin shooting the hostages, the authorities would bring in a special assault team because they weren't getting anywhere. They would briefly talk about new plans because he was getting more and more mad and now threatened to kill these hostages, and they decided their best plan of action would be to storm the bank. During the storming of the bank, they would end up fatally shooting and killing Ashiyoki on sight, which is actually a rare occurrence in Japan. Usually in Japan, they try to do everything they can to capture the criminals and to not kill them but they didn't have much of an option at this point. Once it was all over and they began to get these hostages out of the bank, cover these women up, you know, help the people in shock, and they had their press conference, they would begin to inform everybody as to what happened and what was said. They also informed the public that they had no other option but to use deadly force against Ashioki. This was because when they were storming the bank, he had admitted to them that there was no way they were going to be able to get him out, get him to surrender or capture him without multiple civilians and officers dying in the process. And they decided enough people had already died by the hands of Ashioki and they just needed to take him out and use deadly force before more people died. Akiyoshi should have never had access to a gun, and I understand that a lot of people do not believe a child can kill, but I definitely feel like at 15 years old, you know the difference between right and wrong, and you know not to kill somebody. Akiyoshi should have never had his records sealed. Maybe partially sealed but he should have always been flagged for any sort of background check that he had murdered a woman, whether that was by shooting or stabbing. And I know a lot of the times, if somebody wants to get their hands on a gun, they're going to do it either way. They're either going to go through all of the hoops and get one legally, or they'll come across it illegally. And maybe this would have never been prevented. But if Ashiyoki would have even spent some time in prison or jail or sent him off to, you know, some sort of boy's home, therapy, anything like that, I do feel like something could have been different and these people wouldn't have died. And Akiyoshi, even if he wasn't in the best mental state, might have been able to live a lot longer than he did. Akiyoshi died on January 28, 1979, by the hands of the Japanese police. He began to write this death certificate when he was just 15 years old, making some fatal future decisions for himself that he never changed his mind about. And at only 30 years old, Akiyoshi would act out these terrible things, killing multiple people, and scarring over 40 people for the rest of their lives. He then signed that death certificate that he wrote when he was 15 years old and went out exactly how he wanted to go out. 
with a story to plague the people for years. There may be false or misleading information throughout this podcast. All facts have been researched to the best of my abilities, but accidents do happen. If this is a story you are interested in knowing more about, I highly recommend doing your own research. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time.